turn to the book of Exodus, we're going to jump right on into the message this morning. We're in a series called Great Faith, and I want you to take what you heard, even what Michael said this morning, and understand that while it may look simple or look small or little, it takes great faith to let God use you. Now, I'm going to switch gears, and it's gonna, it's, this is going to be a hard right-hand turn right now because there's no way for me to get out of that and into this, but I'm going to, and this is how it's going to work. Um, <clears throat> first of all, it was one of those mornings today. I don't know if it felt like the, your house was going to be picked up and taken to the land of Oz like ours did, but the wind was so strong this morning. And we're sitting there, you know, I was sitting there. I, I like to get up real early on Sundays and, you know, I just I like to just sit in the darkness. I'll look at the message. I'll spend time praying and reading and, and just having my own time with the Lord before church. And I was thinking about the, the seasons and how many people, raise your hand if you do not like winter. Okay? It's a lot of folks. And winter is one of my favorite seasons, truth be told. But here's the deal. When I, growing up in St. Louis, uh, Winter was your favorite, it was your favorite season because there was always a chance it could snow and you could get out of school. You with me on this? And everybody, neighborhoods were different back then. So everybody knew everybody. And so when there was a no school day, I mean, it's like 7 a.m. and everybody's outside in their snow gear, you know, and you got your sleds and it's just game on, game time, and you're going to tear it up, okay? There's no parents. There was no supervision. You know, ice is literally falling from heaven. We didn't care, you know, just this was how you lived right then. And so winter was always this time of expectation where you never knew you could be out of school at any given moment. And so it was, it was fun. It was exciting. But most people don't like winter when you get it as an adult. Most people lose their mind when they think of their children staying home for an extra day during the school week, and you've got to arrange work, all those things. But looking at the seasons, when Amy and I moved here to Atlanta, one of the things that we were excited about was being in a city again that had different seasons. Because we'd been in a city. It was a beautiful city. Florida was wonderful. Some of you love the heat. But for me, I loved the change of pace where things just changed and the seasons changed. You guys tracking with me so far? And so looking at your own life, and this is what I was thinking about this morning, was, was in the same way that you can look up at the sky, in the same way that you can sense that a season is changing, you can actually do the same thing with your life. God has given you some great clues and great indicators to ask yourself and to pray about as it pertains to the season that you're in. And many of us miss this question and this moment of interaction with God, and we think that every season should be one of faith hoorah, you know, and you're just fist pumping to the heavens and the glory cloud of God is moving in your life and every single thing just feels amazing. And I have bad news for you as it pertains to that, that that's not actually true. Because God moves in rhythms, and there are seasons in your life. Think of the different seasons you have. You have growing seasons, do you not? Where it's just like everything that you touch or everything that you're experiencing with God, you're just growing from. Some of you in that right now. 
where the Bible is just jumping out at you and the words are coming off the page and worship, the strum of the guitar and you've got tears coming down your face and you just sense God moving at every turn and you're growing leaps and bounds. Some of you are in a season where you're, you're experiencing healing, where God's just ministering to you. It's restoring things in your soul, and that's a good, that's a good thing. Some of you are in a working season. And by work, I mean you're in the grind. And maybe you're starting a business or you're trying to wrap up or finish a project at work and you've had that conversation with your, your, your spouse or your kids and they just know that you're not going to be as home and present as, as much in this next season as you previously were because you understand the seasons that you're in. You're in a working, grinded out kind of season. When Amy and I moved here, I sat down with the whole family and I said, okay, you need to know this. I love you, but this next chapter is going to look like me grinding like you've never seen before. Because <laughs> God's called us to see a church birth here, and that only comes with lots of hard work. We had to understand the season. But there's a season that we all experience at different times, and I dare say it's the most confusing season for all of us. And it's a season that you and I need great faith for. And it's a season of wilderness. And what I mean by that is there, there's a, there are seasons in your life that simply feel dry, that simply feel uh, like, it's, like it's difficult for you to hear from God. You're wondering where he is. He's not showing himself to you as readily as he was the month prior or the year prior or however long that season is. And, and, and it's, it's, it feels almost difficult at times. The worship music is playing and you just aren't, you're not encountering God the way you want to encounter God. And you have to focus more when you're reading the Bible. And it's, it's, it almost feels like it's hard work to open your Bible and get truth from it. And it just doesn't feel palpable and vibrant. And it feels like work. Imagine that. And you find yourself in a season of wilderness. And here's the definition that we're going to use this morning. You see it on the screen already. That wilderness is a dry place where your faith is tested and God prepares you to step into his promises. Wilderness periods are dry periods, tough times in which believers endure discomfort and trials. There are times where God feels harder to find than at other times. And the temptation for all of us as Christians, especially in a world and in a culture where you have been pumped, and I have been pumped with a prosperity gospel, or a gospel that says that everything should always feel like this. The temptation is to enter this season and think that you've taken a wrong turn. That somehow you've made a great mistake in your relationship with God. The temptation is to think that maybe you have some great sin at work. Or that somehow to circumvent this season... You feel that a radical new decision, radical change must take place so that you feel different. Because the Lord knows we don't want to feel like we're walking in a desert. 
or a dry place. But what if this morning, in the same way that God designed fall to lead into winter, to lead into spring, to lead into summer, what if God has rhythms for your life that include dry places because through those dry places, he's trying to produce something in your life? What if God is trying to do that and you keep trying to circumvent the whole season itself and you're missing what God is trying to produce? Is it possible this morning that what we need to do more than anything else is to have great faith in a dry and thirsty land and wait for God to show up? Father, be with us as we open your scriptures and we read and we try to learn, and we try to grow. I pray right now that you would speak through the noise and the distractions. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us right in the season that we are in, and that you would bring peace and comfort and humility and growth. Lord, we love you. Amen. So in Exodus chapter 7, verse 16, this is the, 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 the scene, the table is set for Moses, and he's speaking to Pharaoh, and he's asking Pharaoh to let his people go. If you're familiar with the freedom story of the Israelites and bondage and, and getting set free of slavery. And Moses has a conversation with Pharaoh. There, there are several of them, and there's the plagues, and this whole dynamic, miraculous moment uh, where plagues are hitting, and the Red Sea parts, and it's extraordinary. But this is what Moses says to Pharaoh. He says, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. And he goes on and he rebukes Pharaoh for not listening. The point of the passage that I'm getting at is deliverance is coming. They're on, the, they're, they're on the brink of it right then and right there. And the mission that God has for them, the purpose that he set before them, is not that they would go straight from deliverance into a place of lush greenery where they would worship him. It's that they would go straight from deliverance immediately to the wilderness where they would learn to worship in dry and thirsty places. Exodus chapter 15, it says that Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, this moment where the waters have parted, one of the most prolific miracles in the entire Bible. It says he led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. I want you to hear this, that wilderness is often found on the other side of breakthrough. And it's a rhythm that we miss, and it's a season that we don't like, and I understand that we don't like it, but just because you found yourself in a place that's dry doesn't mean that anything is actually wrong. It might mean that you have to work harder to trust God in this moment, to seek him, to hear from him, and be led by him. The breakthrough season that, that Israel was, was experiencing was they were getting set free. And yet, on the heels of freedom, 
comes incredible hardship. If you've ever gone a couple days without water, first of all, you could die. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you add a couple more days to this and, and you could be in real danger. Not only that, they're in the desert. So you can understand the panic. What's going on here? What's wrong? God, where are you? Wilderness comes on the heels of deliverance, on the heels of breakthrough. And time and time again, we see the same pattern. We see with Israel, obviously, as they pass the Red Sea and they're set free from slavery. You see the same thing with Job. His life is incredibly blessed. Every single thing that his hand touches is just blessed beyond belief. And then a season of great pain and wilderness comes to him. You see the same with Paul, and we miss it. Paul gets saved. He becomes a Christian, and he has arguably the, the greatest ministry in the New Testament of any apostle. But before this ministry is happening, he gets saved, and then he is more or less on an island by himself for three years. There's three whole years where he is learning, where he's having to be quiet, where he's being ministered to, where he's being humbled, and God is working in his life. It's a wilderness season. Jesus Christ, we see the same picture happening with Jesus. In fact, turn to uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 9 through 13. I didn't even mention Elijah. Same thing. Miracle after miracle. God moving in prolific ways. And then with a snap of a finger, God, where'd you go? Chapter 1, verse 9 through 13 of the book of Mark, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days. Now, if I'm God, I'm going to be honest with you, I probably would write the script a little differently. Jesus is having this incredible moment, and he's baptized. He goes down into the water and comes up out of the water, and what happens? Literally, the heavens split open. And a voice from heaven, God himself, my paraphrase, my paraphrase, my paraphrase, is that this is my son whom I love, whom I'm well pleased I can't even imagine being in attendance of Jesus' baptism and hearing that and wondering, oh, oh my gosh, was that God himself? Yes, it was. And I would think and assume and presume that Jesus' ministry is now going to immediately begin. He's been baptized. God himself literally just put his stamp of approval on him in front of everybody. Now's the time for miracles, baby. Now's the time for preaching. Now's the time to raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons, you know, break the bread and divide it, the fish and the loaves and all the stuff. That's not what happens. We have this, this moment of incredible ministry where Jesus is baptized, where he is declared the Son of God, of which God is pleased. But instead of sending him into the next chapter of lush green ministry, he is immediately led by the Holy Spirit into the desert. Why? 
Why do we see this rhythm at work so many times in our life? And why do we see it in Scripture and how often we miss it? What season are you in? Find yourself in a dry season? Finding yourself in a place where it's hard to, you're having a hard time hearing from God? Where you're wondering where he is? Isaiah writes this about God. He says, uh, Isaiah 45, the prophet Isaiah, this is how he describes him. He says, truly, you are a God who has been hiding himself, the God and Savior of Israel. Why would God hide himself? Why would he make it at times so easy for you to find and then at other times seemingly difficult? If you've ever played hide-and-go-seek with your kids, you know, there are times where, you know, this is basically my hiding spot, right? And it's easy to find you, myself. It's easy to find myself. I'm easy to find. Okay, thank you. And then there are other times where, oh, my hiding spot is next level. And there's no chance that my kids are going to find me. And they got to work. And finally, you know, you'll hear them say, Dad, you know, I can't find you. Where are you? Mom. You know, and you, you, they, risk, they risk giving up. They risk quitting. And then I'll do something, right? I'll, I'll turn something on my phone so they'll hear a snippet of a song. You know, and they'll catch a sound, and it'll keep them on the hunt just long enough, right? But they got to work for it. they got to work for this one. Why do we see God doing the exact same thing for you and for me and for every single prolific person we see in the Scriptures? Why do we see the same pattern at work? What does the dry desert season have to possibly offer us? Deuteronomy 8 Verse 2 answers the question for us. God is, again, speaking through Moses. And he's describing why they're in the desert. And he says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. Why? To humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. You see, God is bringing you and I at times into places that are dry so that he might test and see what is actually in our heart. I'm not saying that he's the author of evil in your life. Do not hear me saying that. But God Almighty certainly permits seasons to take place in your life that will put the squeeze on you, that will allow humility to come into your bones, where you can understand that God is God, God is in control, and I am not. He provides moments where you can, where, where, where he wants to see what's really in your heart and whether or not you'll actually obey him. See, it's easy to obey God when everything is going right. But are you willing to obey God when nothing's going right? When it feels like you're walking for days and you can't even get find a sip of water. Will you trust him? 
Will you hold on or will you quit? See, God is in the business of maturing his people. He has matured me more times than I'd like to admit. Where there are are seasons where I'm sitting and I'm thinking, God, I don't feel you right now. I don't hear you right now. But here's what I know to be true. You do not forsake your children and you do not abandon your children. I know that to be true. I know you love me with an everlasting love. I know that you have called me to not only be blessed, but to be a blessing. I know all of these things to be true. And so, God, because I know that, regardless of how I feel and regardless of what my eyes tell me about the the surrounding territory that I'm in, that is dry and that it's barren and that it's desert-like, I choose in faith to trust you. You will be my provider. You will be the sustainer of my soul. And I know eventually you are going to bring me right out of this season into beautiful, lush, green pastures. Amen? What season are you in? Are you in a dry and thirsty one? Do you need great faith? Because the temptation, church, is to, is to whether you're in middle school, high school, college, family, single, I don't care. It doesn't matter what, how old you are. Once you get to the place where you're having to make decisions on your own and you're having to actually move beyond mom and dad's faith and grow in your own, you're going to find yourself in these rhythms. And what the temptation is, especially in high school or middle school, is, oh, you feel a certain way? It feels dry? Something feels a little bit dislocated or out of place? Well, surely you need to make a radical decision about the, about the trajectory of your life right here, right now, as if somehow that is going to remedy the season that you're in. It's okay, do you know that, to be in a season where you're just feeling a little bit dry, where relationships might feel a little bit hard. It's okay to be in that chapter of your life. It's okay at times. I'm not saying you should be in faith for this, but sometimes we have seasons also where we don't have as many really good friends as we would really like to have. And I'm not saying believe for that. Yeah, praise God. But what I'm saying is sometimes you have seasons where you simply have to wait and trust him. And when you find yourself in a place that's dry, it's never the place or time to make a radical decision about the trajectory of your life. Never. Because oftentimes we're doing it out of panic and desperation to somehow feel better, to somehow fit in, or to somehow get this dry thing off our back. And what we need to do more than anything else is to hold on to Jesus, hang on tight, and let him lead us. God uses the wilderness to produce humility in your heart. I don't like that. I'm going to say that one more time. I do not like this. But it's true. The scriptures tell us. God loves a humble people. 
I remember some of you know this about me, but I'm about to tell on myself. When I was in college, I wasn't planning to get into a boy band, but I found myself in a boy band. Okay? Yeah. God is good, and he took me out of that barren place. Okay? <laughs> bye, bye, bye. I, wow, that was really good. Okay. But here's the deal. All joking aside. So, I was probably, I was a sophomore. I was a sophomore at college and landed, circumstances a little bit crazy, a record deal with Atlantic Records. It's called an AID, which was an artist in development. This was pre-YouTube. This is pre-MySpace, right? So what you had to do back then is you had to develop talent. You couldn't just watch YouTube videos and find the best ones and then offer them deals. You actually had to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, as a record company investing in future talent. And so I found myself on the right time, right place, and uh, all of a sudden, I wasn't paying for anything anymore. Limos, cars, hotels, food, clothes, all of it. As a sophomore in college, and I didn't see it coming. I had no ambitions of doing such things. But they said, do you want this? And I said, sure. And so my life was changing quickly. All of a sudden, I found myself at award shows. I found myself in different environments with different people that I never imagined that I would be with. Cameras are going off. People don't even know who I was. I hadn't recorded a thing. But all of a sudden, you, you show up in a limo to an award show, and you look the part, and people just start taking pictures. They literally want to get pictures with you, and they don't even know who you are or what you've done. It's, this is the allure of celebrity. I kid you not. And so for the better part of a year, this was my life in college. There were times where a limo would pick me up at my dorm room, mind you, and I would call all my friends. And I'd be like, look out the window, suckers. You know, what? Right? So, so <laughs> it was a crazy life. It was a ride, right? And then a phone call came year, a year into it. President of the record label. His name is Barry Landis. And I'm sitting in my apartment playing a video game. And I get a call, and he says, hey, Andy, appreciate all your time with us you know, this past year. Uh, at this point, we've decided to go in a different direction. Have a great life. Literally. And I had been having the conversations about tutors on the, on the, on the tour bus and having the conversations about what this means for my major and how do I actually finish school. I was reorienting my life. And the snap of a finger was gone. And I found myself wondering, God, where are you? I never asked for this. I never once prayed a prayer, God, that I would somehow be famous or be a celebrity or have or be in a boy band. Like none of those things have ever been ambitions. And you brought that here. You gave this to me. And now you're taking it away. Where are you right now? I'm so confused right now. I was emotional about it. And I found myself discouraged as a sophomore in college because what 
once was, was now no longer. And I walked straight into a season of my life that was, in many ways, very dry. I was confused. I was asking God a lot of things. And I wasn't hearing from him the way I, I really felt like I needed to hear from him. And I had some friends who were really great friends, and they went to this crazy church down the street. It was an every nation church, which is what our church is a part of here. They invited me to a Bible study at 1604 Shackleford Road, and they'd asked only about 19 million times if I would go. But it's amazing what happens when you find yourself in a dry season where you're hungry for God, and he has been humbling you. Because make no mistake about it, while I was disappointed, the most difficult thing that I was experiencing was humility. The guy that was waving at all of his friends in the limo now is back to driving his 1998 cherry red Dodge Stratus. Humility. What is God doing inside of you when you are walking into a wilderness season? He is producing, make no mistake about it, humility. And I went to this Bible study, and I sat there, and my heart was open in ways that it hadn't been a year prior. I was a Christian, but discipleship, and a passion for living and loving for God, that was something I hadn't really tasted. And I sat in this guy's living room that was a year older than me and watched him preach the paint off the wall to all of these frat guys, which is what I was. I was a big fraternity guy, rascal. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, yeah, I have never heard the gospel like this. Whatever you have, I want it. And we began to meet one-on-one, -on -one and we began to go through this thing that we still use at our church called the Purple Book. And just laying out foundations and pouring fresh cement in my heart and my soul. And I remember picking up the phone one time, leaving this guy's house, and I called my mom and dad, and I was probably maybe a, a junior heading into my senior year at this point, and I said, Mom, Dad, I'm going to be graduating with a degree in finance and economics, but I want you to know, I don't think I'm going to end up doing that. An internship lined up with Solomon Smith Barney with the investment banking side of the branch, and I called Mom and Dad, and I said, I cannot shake that I need to be walking in full-time ministry, preaching the gospel to college students. That's my next season. I can't shake it. They thought I was insane. I was crazy. And people oftentimes talk to me about that season, and they, they say, Andy, man, it's so, it's so awesome that you had such clarity over what God was saying to you. And that's true. What people don't know or understand is that the two and a half years prior to it had been total hell. And that God had been shaping and molding and humbling me painfully through tears, through hardship, through embarrassment. Shaping, shaping, and reshaping. 
because God uses the season that's dry, the season of despair, the season of wilderness to produce something in you that you will never get in any other season in your life. To trust him when things look bleak and dry and difficult is one of the greatest treasures that you will ever have in your walk with Jesus as you mature with him. You guys with me this morning? See, the deception also is that, you know, when we have this, this wilderness chapter in our life, that we're just supposed to get through it. And I've even used the words this morning on, on stopping and waiting and being patient, and that's true. But I also want you to understand that the wilderness season for you, isn't, it isn't this moment that you're just going through. It's a, it's a season that you grow through. It's not a going season. It's a growing season. Does that make sense? And that even though the, the, the trees don't look green and you're having a difficult time feeling the water fill your soul at times, it doesn't change the fact that you're also growing. You guys with me? You're not just going through a wilderness season. You're growing through a wilderness season. So what do you do about it? What do you do about this chapter in your life? How do you actually grow through it well? It's funny, a week ago... Uh, yesterday, I traveled down to Augusta. One of our Every Nation churches is there. It's an amazing church. And I got to speak to some of the men there. It was fun. Um, but while we were driving there, you know, I got a car full of guys. And maybe everybody but one has a different GPS app out pretty much at one point in time. Some of them use Waze. Other people use are using Google Maps. Then some people are using, like, the Apple whatever it is, you know, whatever. I mean, to each his own, I suppose. And everybody, it's funny how guys are working on this, everybody's app has a little bit different. Oh, well, this, this route will shave you one minute. You know, I mean, take a right-hand turn. Well, my app doesn't say that. I know, but mine says it'll get there at you know, 10.54. Yours says 10.55. I mean, come on, bro. How are you even going to be using Google Maps? You know, like, Waze is way better. You know, like, what's even wrong with you, dude? You're not even Christian. So, so, what I find funny, though, and this is, I don't know any person that's not like this, where you use your app to get to a place, especially a new place, and we are so hungry to shave off just a few minutes, are we not? This, a little alert, this route will save you four minutes. You know, do you want to proceed? Yes, I do. Four minutes, I mean, that's like gold. That is gold to me. Because time is one of our most precious commodities. The challenge is that it does not equate to every different thing that you do in your life. And when it comes to experiencing God in a season of wilderness, the temptation is to do anything to make it faster or circumvent it so that we can get out as quickly as we can. I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't want to. Because it stinks, and it's humbling, and it's hard. But there is also a purpose to what God is doing in your life. And the best posture that you can have is that of praise. I'm going to say that one more time. Because the Israelites had a posture of protest. At every single turn, they found themselves complaining and grumbling and distrusting God in the desert. Did they not? God, where's my water? 
Where are you? We're gonna, you should have left us as, as, as slaves in Egypt. We're all going to die. God, where's our food? What are we going to do? We're all going to die. This is the land we're supposed to take? Look how big they are. We're all going to die. Over and over again, God is trying to produce trust and humility in them and to see what is actually in their heart. And time and time and time again, they fail this test. And God prolongs their time in the wilderness because, understand something, God will keep you in the wilderness as long as it takes for you to get what he wants you to get. He'll keep you there until you are humble enough to understand, God, this is what you're after. I praise you. Let me reject this protest and let me accept a posture of praise. I'm not going to grumble and complain against you. I'm going to worship you even though things look difficult. God, I'm not going to reject you. I'm not going to, uh, how far be it from me. Lord, to despise your promises, I choose to trust you even though my eyes don't see how this is going to happen. That's what it looks like to have a posture of praise instead of a posture of protest. I have protested God so many times. I've grumbled against him. I've complained against him. And you know what never ends up happening? My circumstances never change. It's amazing that grumbling and complaining have never produced anything great. Haven't it? No. In fact, the longer you stay in the wilderness, many times the more bitter you become. And so you begin to, you begin to literally poison the things around you. And now your circumstances and the people around you can become bitter. And then it just feels like you're trapped. What do you do? You take a deep breath and you learn to praise him in the wilderness. You learn to have great faith in the areas of your life that are dry and difficult. The purest kind of praise isn't when things are going well. It's praise when they aren't. I'm going to leave you with this, this this morning. It's the verse that we started out with. It's Exodus chapter 7, verse 16. It says, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, let my people go, that they may worship me in the wilderness, the places that are dry and barren. There's no greater example on, the, on, a, on a hero scale than David. We see him writing about it in the Psalms. My heart cries out to you in the dry and thirsty land my heart beats for you. I'm after your business, God. He wasn't saying that somehow he wasn't in a dry place or a difficult place, but he was declaring and reminding himself that even though it's dry, even though I'm thirsty for more of you, and even though I don't always see you or know what's going on, I choose to remedy that. I'm steering my emotions and steering my behavior and steering my thoughts to praise you rather than protest and grumble and complain against you. God, I give you my best. I give you my worship. I lift my hands to you, God. I don't know what 
you're trying to produce, but I'm all yours and I hold nothing back from you. God, you have it all. You have it all, God. We need great faith this morning for the wilderness, do we not? I need great faith for that. The best thing you could ever do is to praise Him and worship Him. So church, that's what we're going to do. Stand to your feet this morning. I'm going to pray over us and then I want to invite you as a church, as a people, if there's anything that you need prayer for, we have a ministry team that's going to be down front ready and able to pray with you, to give thanks with you, to give thanks and praise with you, all the while praying and petitioning God to move, but doing so with a posture of thanksgiving. Praise. Count it all joy, the scriptures say, when we face trials and tribulations of many kind. For we know that the testing of our faith produces what? Perseverance. And perseverance, the list goes on, and it, all of a sudden it gets to this word called maturity. God produces something inside of you through that which is difficult. That you get to trust Him and become more like Him. Minister team, you can come down front right here and just line face the, 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 the church. And you know what? If all of a sudden this gets flooded and overwhelmed and you feel capable and confident in praying for somebody, then jump in and pray. Don't be any stranger to it. Use your faith with somebody else this morning. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for faith in the places that are dry. Faith in the places that are difficult. Lord, we choose not to complain. We choose not to grumble. We repent of that even now. We reject that posture, Lord, and we bring you a posture of praise. We thank you, Lord, for the air in our lungs this morning. God, we thank you that you are a God who sent your son to die for us, that we might have life in you. Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for the friends here. We thank you for the relationships here and that you are on the move. God, we bring you praise today. Even though things might look difficult or bleak, you have the praise of our lips. You are good and you are faithful. And we worship and adore you this morning. It's in your name that we pray.